Welcome, dear friends. It's 11 a.m. out here in Las Vegas, Nevada, and let me apologize. I slept in a bit. I didn't get up until 8 a.m. this morning. Had a beautiful breakfast and uh, got all cleaned up and everything, and uh, it took me just a little bit of time to get here into the studio. Now, a little bit of explanation. You know, a lot of people come into the studio. This is my personal mini studios and i'm not making excuses just letting you know the facts i don't edit any of these conversations and or teaching preachings that i give to you from my little mini studios that's why at times you'll hear me announce from my little mini studios in summerland lakes las vegas nevada this is senior pastor michael whitlock i don't edit it i don't anything i just let it come out and let the Holy Spirit unction me, speak through me, and let come out what may. Now, the purpose in that is, yes, when I go to radio stations and or TV stations and I speak and I uh, get ready to do a bunch of those, of course, they have engineers, editors, and all that kind of stuff. Censors, the whole thing, although I never say anything that should be censored. But the bottom line is, is from these studios, what I hope is happening is with your prayers, my prayers, us agreeing together that the Holy Spirit leads me through these scriptures and gives me an inspiration that maybe I didn't have two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a year ago, five years ago, with the Holy Scriptures. And the Holy Spirit is alive and well and in this studio, in the presence, in this studio. Why? Because I'm obedient to the Father God Almighty, His Son and the Holy Spirit. And in that obedience is love. That's the first prime, prime number one Source two obedience is I'm commanded. It's time to do whatever I'm commanded to do. Now that goes along spiritually, soulfully, mentally, physically, and financially, utilizing all the experience, all the wisdom that the Father God Almighty, and I give Him all the glory, His Son and Holy Spirit that have given me over the years to wake me up out of. The insane, youthful, rebellious youth that I lived. And I confess it. I've confessed it many times on radio, TV, etc. That God brought me out of a very rebellious youth. And I'm not making excuses. It's just the facts. If you have lived that kind of life. And I don't even like to use the word if. All of you out there who have lived that kind of life. It's one thing to rebel against tyranny, dictatorship, uh, uh, wrong treatment of any kind. But we must not rebel against the Father. It leads to absolute destruction. It is actually futile. It is ridiculous. 
And I had to learn that over the years. And we can't hide from the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Omnipresent. They're everywhere. So, and when I was in my youth, I thought if I could go behind closed doors, turn off the lights that, you know, whatever I was doing, you know, you know, I, would, I thought that I was hiding or something. You can't hide from God. God sees it all. He knows everything Satan's doing. He's known everything Satan is trying. Nothing surprises God because he knows everything and what's going on. And I hope you know that. And I'm not going to segue into then why does God let it, this happen and that happen and so on and so on. Because God, let me just simply say this, because God who created us gave us free will to make choice between heaven, hell, right, wrong, truth, lies, justice, tyranny, injustice, and cruel, ruthless treatment of people between love, hate. We have choices. And hopefully, as we're growing up, and there are some of you out there that at much younger ages have made better choices. And God bless you for it. And God bless all the people who, through their better choices and better relationship with God, influenced me to walk away from a rebellious life. We grew up in a time, <laughs> this summer, I'm growing older. Every summer I grow chronologically older. Although I have to say and give the glory to the Father God Almighty. What he says in Psalm 103 is true. You eat like he says to eat. You exercise and do what the God we serve says in his holy 613 laws, which 287 of them have to do with health and hygiene. Your spiritual health, soulful health, mental health, physical health will be excellent, as well as your financial health. And can you have financial health? Yes. Can you imagine living a life where you worry about nothing? You know that your taxes are paid. You know that the government is never going to bother you, audit you, mess with you in any way because you're on good terms with them. Uh, you're, you, you know that if any emergency comes up, doesn't matter. Here, I can handle it. Here's a check for it. Take care of it. Da, 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 da. That's the kind of life that God wants all of us to live. A healthy, wholesome life that gives us the ability to be free. I came to set the captives free. Free of what? All of the agitations, frustrations, all of the evil ways that Satan tries to snare us, trap us, seduce us, trick us, tempt us, all of the evil things that he commands so that we're free, absolutely free. Let's pray. Barukatai Adonai Yahuwah Eloheinu, Melaka Allah Mashir, Kedishinu B'mitzvotad, Vitzvanu Lagohim, Vadalonu, Yeshua Mashiach Anu Ha'olah Olam. Blessed are you, O Lord, 
Yahovah, King of the universe, who sanctified us by your commandments and commanded us to be a light for the nations and gave us Yahushua Messiah, the light of the world. Hallelujah. Let me turn my mic down just a little bit and let me say amen. Now, let's pray for our country. Sacred, dear, heavenly Father, we pray in the name and the blood of Yahushua Messiah, and we pray the blood of Yahushua Messiah on this land that we call United States of America, our Father in heaven, rock and redeemer of the people of America. Bless the United States of America with your promise of redemption. Shield us with your love, spread over us the shelter of your peace. Guide our leaders and advisors with your light and your truth. Help them with your good counsel. Strengthen the hands of those who defend our holy land. Deliver them, crown their efforts with triumph. Bless the land with peace and its inhabitants with lasting joy. And let us say amen. And may I add to that, I recently signed a petition, a veterans petition. I recently signed a petition, I was honored to sign it, that says, let's get a petition to Biden to bring home our people, men and women, women and men, from Afghanistan. I agree with that. I hope if you see that petition, you sign it as well. We are spending trillions of dollars to support these war efforts. We've been there 20 plus years and we have accomplished. It's still going on. What have we accomplished? Now, on the negative side of it, and I hate, let's start positive. We've accomplished a lot over there. But on the negative side of it, a lot of our young people, men and women have died for what? Once again, this is like Vietnam. Those people don't want us over there. The Afghanistans, they, they didn't want the Russians over there and they don't want us over there. Why are we there? Greed, power, oil. Afghanistan is full of the, uh, what is it, lithium or whatever that they make the batteries out of. What, what are we doing? We're trying to get our fair share from their soil. We need to get out of there. We need to come home and invest a trillion dollars a year we're spending uh, over there in our country. We would have no homeless. We would have so many of our problems settled. And in my humble opinion, we need to clean up our own backyard before we start trying to clean up everybody else's. It's just that simple. So I hope you agreed with me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, please fill this studio with your sacred and Holy Spirit. Help me to teach this lesson you have asked me to teach from 2 Corinthians. Blessed be your holy name, your son's holy name, the sacred and holy name of the Holy Spirit. Give me Holy Spirit unction where these verses are concerned and speak through me to give me sacred wisdom, understanding, and revelation, supernatural divine knowledge. Amen. All right. 
The Father God Almighty asked me this morning and yesterday after I finished up Matthew 25 to teach on 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And there are some things in this chapter that should become part of the believer's anthem. And I'll point those out to you as we get to them. So turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter 5, and we'll get started. I'm going to have a quick drink here of my tea. Mm. Okay. God bless the elders of my church. Praise them. God bless them. All right, here we go. For we know that if the tent of our earthly house is destroyed, we have a building from Elohim, a house not made with hands everlasting in heaven. Now, I'm, I, I'm not going to add to this verse. I'm not going to take away from this verse. But what I'm going to say to you is a lot of what I usually always say, which is let's look at this verse first spiritually. Now, of course, Paul is talking about us believers in Messiah, that we've got a place in heaven. So you say to me, well, pastor, what about if my house burns down here on earth? What about if my house uh, gets flooded or torn down by a tornado or ripped up by a hurricane? What earthquake swallowed up, whatever. First of all, Count your blessings. You're alive. Your family's alive. Your kids are alive. Your dogs are alive. Count your blessings. You can always rebuild. Remember, there's always going to be challenges in life and God's never going to put on you more than you can handle, even though at the time you may think, Father God, I'm even breaking down. And I've done it too breaking down in tears, looking up to the heavens going, Father, man, I'm overwhelmed. I, I am just, I'm in shock. I'm in panic. Help me, Father, get through this. You think I haven't experienced all that? I have. I have, just like you, where I've lost everything and had to start all over, and it's happened to me more than once in life. And sometimes if we're truly honest, looking in the mirror and admitting the truth of our lives, sometimes it's our own fault. We self-sabotage ourselves and or we have not been consistent about preparation for challenges that are coming. Now, what's the first and most important preparation? Paul's trying to get this through to us spiritually, staying one with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as long as we're there, we don't have to worry about any of that. And sometimes, and I know this is hard to hear, sometimes God will cause certain things to happen in our lives so that he can make it better for us. Sometimes God will use the worst disasters in our lives to do for us what we would have otherwise never done 
Because we're just going along and cruising and grooving and, and just hanging out and, and really not paying attention. We're not going to church. We're not in the Bible. We're not being consistent. And sometimes, like Paul, who got knocked off his horse, blinded by the light that hit him, and he did see the image of our Messiah, and Messiah spoke to him in Hebrew and told him, do I got your attention now? Of course, that's paraphrasing. But basically, Paul's cruising along thinking he's doing the right thing, persecuting the followers of the Messiah. I mean, I mean, torturing them, skinning them alive, coating them in oil, setting them on fire, burning them in the places where they worshipped and gathered to worship the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, he was ruthless. Now, being that ruthless, rebellious, and cruel, he knocks Paul off his horse, gets his attention, and Paul did the right thing. He said, yes, Lord. Now, same thing with me. I was rebellious. And God kept trying to get my attention a little at a time. And I keep trying to tell you, God's like a rheostat. He's trying to get your attention. First, he starts out with that wee soft voice in your consciousness and you ignore it. And he's going to turn up that rheostat and get it a little bit brighter and more powerful voice going on. And he keeps turning it up till he finally gets your attention. Now, the, is it going to take a hurricane, a disaster, an earthquake, a tornado, a hurricane, whatever, to get your attention? Or are you going to listen and stop rebelling and just come before the Father and say, I love you. I'm sorry. I'm here. I will be consistent. You know, all of you musicians out there, and I love you. You know that. You know that. You know I love you. You're consistent about practicing your instruments, whether it's bass, guitar, keyboards, drums, percussion, whatever it is, vocals, whatever it is. You practice, practice, practice because you know in the consistency of practice, you keep your, your ability on, at, its, at its peak, its edge. You got the edge. Phil Stokes said to me one time, he said, you know, there are musicians that got that edge. You know, they got that peak going on because they stay in it. And, that, and it doesn't matter whether it's been COVID-19 or whatever, because I see all these people sending me their videos all the time, musicians who couldn't go out and play live. So now they're playing on, you know, videos they're making on Facebook and other platforms, YouTube, whatever. And that's great because they're keeping their what? They're staying on top of it. They're keeping their edge. All right. But we got to do the same thing with the word of God. We got to keep our edge. How do we keep our edge with God? We stay consistent. Pray in the morning, pray at night, minimum. Daniel was known to pray three times a day. Our Savior was known to, to you know, on their way somewhere, he'd say, stop, you guys rest. I'm going out in this field. I'm praying and meditating to the Father God Almighty. In other words, when God wants your attention, say, yes, Lord, I'm here. And when you get obedient like that and humble yourself before God, man, the blessings that are going to come your way. It's amazing. For indeed, in this, we groan longing to put on our dwelling, which is from heaven. 
so that having put it on, we shall not be found naked. What is he talking about spiritually? He's talking about putting on the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Remember what Johannes 656 says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood stays in me and I stay in him. And the Holy Spirit is in you and all around you, protecting you like a thorny hedge. It's right from the word of God. So you're putting on what? The armor of God. He is your shield, your buckler, and your exceeding great reward. Now we read on. For indeed, we who are in the tent grown being burdened, not because we wish to put it off, but to put on the other so that what is to die might be swallowed up by life. What do we want to die? We want our old rebellious sinful self to die. I'm not that person anymore. I don't want to be that person anymore to get out. I want nothing to do with you. Now, the problem is, you, like me, I experienced this. You will have friends that can't believe you changed and they don't want you to change. They want you to be the same old person that went out and partied with them and chased people and did all kinds of stuff and, and was rebellious and all that stuff, rock and roll. They do not want to accept that you have changed. They want you to be the same. You know why? Because they fear change in themselves. But pray for them. Do you want to see your friends go to hell? Do you want to go up to heaven in the throne room of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And Christ says, step over here to my right side. And your best friend on earth, Christ says, step over on the left side. The left side is where Satan is. He says that they're going to hell. Do you want your friends to go to hell? So you can't give up on them. You got to pray for them and share with them. That doesn't mean overtake them with the new being you are, your rebirth. But as you get a chance and they ask you something, believe me, they will. When they get in trouble, many of them will call you and say, you know, would you pray with me or pray for me or something. They'll call you. They may have called you fanatic. They may have called you, you have lost your mind. Oh my God, Mike has, uh, has become a minister. Can you believe it? He's a rabbinic messianic minister. Can you believe that? He has lost his cookies. I, I know, I have friends that have said that. On the one side of it, I embrace it and say, thank you very much. You recognize that I am so into the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they are in me that you think I am a fanatic. Thank you. The sad side of it is, is that they're still walking out there in darkness. So you got to pray for them. We want to make sure they make it too. For indeed, we who are in the tent groan, being burdened, not because we wish to put it off, but to put on the other so that 
what is to die might be swallowed up by life. Now, he who has prepared us for this same purpose is Elohim. El means God, Ohim, God who exists, God Almighty, who has given us the spirit as a pledge of what is to come. So our Holy Savior said to his, his top ones, he said very clearly to them, I'm leaving you. Now, of course, I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going to put it in modern day language, but don't panic because I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit, your helper, so that you're not alone. You're not alone. And fear not. Walk, do, preach, teach everything I've taught you. The Holy Spirit is with you. In other words, the Holy Spirit's got your back. You got to recognize the presence of the Father God Almighty. You got to understand the presence of the Father God Almighty. And then you got to learn to act on the presence of the Father God Almighty through the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that brings us our signs, wonders, and miracles into this reality. This death, this physical death, this physical place that I'm talking to you from, it is the Holy Spirit that brings this to you. Now, the Holy Spirit has given me an unction about verse 2. And we're going to recover that real quickly. For indeed, in this we groan. In other words, when we're going through times of challenge, we groan, we moan. And the Holy Spirit knows that. Longing to put on our dwelling, which is from heaven. Longing to be with the Father God, Holy Son, the sacred Holy Spirit in heaven. So that having put it on, we will not be found naked. Now, let's go all the way back to Genesis so we can understand that. And you say, Pastor, what, the, what in the world does Genesis have to do with this? He realized this, Paul and everybody. The Messianic scriptures, what you call the New Testament, hadn't even been written yet in their lifetime. The first book was written 70 years after the passing, the ascension of our sacred savior. They were teaching from the five books of Moses. And this is from the five books of Moses. Let's go all the way back to Genesis, okay? And God speaking directly to his first creation, human beings, Adam and Eve, all right? They were in the garden with no clothing, no leaves, no fig leaves, none of that. And yet they were not naked. Why? Because what they had on the outside of them was the spiritual Holy Spirit of God made in his image. Remember what it says. Let's make them in our image. God non-physical, 
a spirit, not physical, all right, made Adam and Eve spirit beings. And they had an outer spiritual covering. That's what he's talking about putting on. When Satan talked Eve into talking Adam into eating what they were not supposed to, then that outer, holy, sacred, righteous spirit protection was gone and revealed the inner physical core of their being naked. They saw that and went, whoa, we're naked. So now they made fig leaves to cover themselves up. All right, now, I hope that makes that verse a lot more clearer to you. So we're reading for, for indeed, we who are in the tent groan, being burdened not because we wish to put it off, but to put on the other so that what is to die might be swallowed up by life. Life, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Remember, we want to be drawn into that. That's one of the anthems that we as believers should be saying on a daily basis. Now, he who has prepared us for this same purpose is Elohim. This is God Almighty who has given us the spirit as a pledge of what is to come. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the master. Do you understand that? Being home in the body, absent from the master. We're here on earth. We're not of the world. We're here. We're in it, but we're not of it. We are in the kingdom of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And it is our challenge to live this life and show others we can live this life, we can change. We can change from a life of sin into a life of rebirth. Remember what our Lord and Savior was telling the Pharisees, the priests of the temple, unless you are reborn, you cannot enter into the gates of heaven. And that's you, me, and everybody. We must be reborn. All right, we're looking at verse seven. For we walk by belief, not by sight. This is definitely a verse that should be an anthem for all believers. We should all be saying this daily. We are of good courage and are well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the master. When we call out, Father, this is one of the prayers I make morning and night. Definitely in the morning to start my day. I walk by faith and not by sight. 
Why? So that it immediately attracts the presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to be with me all day long. I don't know what phone call I'm going to get. I don't know what's coming. God's not surprised by anything. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's coming. Sometimes God does forewarn me. Praise the Lord God Almighty. And I give him all the glory. And sometimes I'm caught off guard, unaware. But because I consistently and constantly prepare myself, I can sit back calmly and say, hmm, all right, let me pray about that. Let me meditate about that. And I'll give you an answer. Or if it needs an immediate answer, I listen to it. And in my head very quickly, Father, I need your guidance. Let your wisdom, understanding, revelation, supernatural, divine knowledge guide me because that's one of the things you'll hear me say over and over again because I utilize the power of it to overcome all of these problems. And it takes a second to think that in my head while these people are telling me, Okay, you got to make this legal decision. Da, 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 and we need you to, you know, decide on this for the ministry and this and that and this and that and so on. And believe me, there are times when even with the elders, I have to sit and tell them, well, you know, this is not what I feel the Father God Almighty wants us to do. And amazingly enough, I'm blessed with elders who understand that the Father does speak to me and they've seen it and they know it. And so when they come to me with whatever idea about the ministry or whatever, and we talk it over and I hear them out and I listen to them. And many times they come with really excellent, positive, Holy Spirit-led suggestions. And I hear them and I'm going, yes, awesome. Let's do that. But just every once in a while, not very often, I have to stop them and say, now, wait a minute. Remember what we're based on here. What is the backbone and foundation of this ministry? And that's my job. Make sure we don't get outside of that. Verse nine. So we also make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him, whether being at home or being away from home. For we all have to appear before the judgment seat of Messiah. Now you've heard me say over, over, and over again. And I hear all of these ministers, they want to talk about the love of Christ and he is love. But all judgment and power and authority of judgment has been given by the Father to the Son. And when you and I go into the judgment throne room, the Messiah is either going to say, I know you, you confessed me, you lived the life that you should have, you guarded the laws of my Father just like I did while I was on earth. And so you step right over here on my right side. That means you're going to heaven. And when he looks at those and he says, I knew you'd not. And they're going to cry out and say, we healed in your name. We raised the dead in your name. We did ministry in your name. 
but they didn't live the life according to the law of the Father God Almighty. Remember Matthew 5, read it. Don't just read the Beatitudes. Read verse 17 and forward. The law has not gone away. He's going to look at them and say, I knew you not, you workers of lawlessness is the correct translation. Now, in some King James versions, it says you workers of inequity. But look up the word inequity. It means sin. It means breaking the law. Inequitous. Look it up from the Latin, from the, the Greek. <laughs> Thank God I stayed in Latin. All right, here we go. Yeah, I remember staying Latin when I was younger. I was so lost that first year in Latin. I'm like, just going, man, wow. But after I got over being overwhelmed and I started to listen, and I started to get it. All right, here we go. So we also make it our aim to be well-pleasing to him, whether being at home or being away from home, for we all have to appear before the judgment seat of Messiah in order for each one to receive according to what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, this is why I say confess all the time. Always confess. Don't play around, confess. Don't mess around, confess. Because if we take every opportunity, as soon as we recognize that we didn't do something quite right or we really made a mistake, whatever it is, and we confess, then we're not going to be judged in the throne group judgment by our Messiah for any of that. He's not going to judge you on what you've confessed. Excuse me, Father, I have made a mistake. I'm sorry. And it may be something that you're having trouble with and you keep making it over and over again. God will help you to break those habitual habits, addictions to sin, whatever it is. Now, most people think addiction means, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever. But some people are habitually addicted to certain types of sin, so the next thing most people say, well, pastor, that's probably porno or this, that, or the other thing. And I'm going, no, there's all kinds of things people can become habitually addicted to. Gluttony is one of them. Habitually addicted to cussing. And they're fighting to get over that. There's all kinds of situations like that. Habitually anger. They wake up angry, they go to bed angry. They can be helped. They can be prayed for. They can be healed. I'm one of them. I got healed. Sometime I'll share with you, you know, the, the healing that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit gave me that changed me just ever. For we all have to appear before the judgment seat of Messiah in order for each one to receive according to what he has done. Remember, he or she has done in the body, whether good or evil. In the body means here on earth. Knowing, therefore, the fear of yod He vav He. 
or in other words, Yahovah. We persuade men, but we have been made manifest to Elohim, and I also trust in your consciousness to have been manifested. So when you get saved, you get a new consciousness and the Holy Spirit is speaking through that consciousness saying, uh, 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 you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have thought that. Don't even think that. And that's good because thoughts become words, words become actions. Think about that. Thoughts become words, words become action. That's why our Holy Savior taught us. When a man looks at a married woman and lusts after her in his mind, he's already committed adultery because those thoughts will become actions. Thoughts become words, words become actions. So these guys stand around going, and they're married or they're, they're engaged or they're going steady with someone. In the old days, we called it going steady. Okay. And they're standing around. They're looking at other women go, ooh, she is beautiful. Da, da, da. You know, and I, I, could, I would love, you know, this, that, or the other with her. They've already committed sin without even doing it physically. So, when the Holy Spirit is working with this and we truly get reborn in our Savior, we stop doing these actions. It works backwards. Thoughts become words, words become actions. So first we stop the actions. Then we start working backwards. The Holy Spirit start working backwards to eliminate, erase all of those bad thoughts. Then the Holy Spirit goes down in our heart and destroys all of that wicked stuff that's been planted as seeds in our hearts. And so now the outcome is, is that we, from our heart, have righteousness and holiness coming up into our minds as thoughts. So now when we look at a lady, for example, and we go, what a beautiful creation of the Father God Almighty. And that's it. That's all we think. We don't think anything else. One time, a long time ago, a good friend of mine who was struggling with his life and so on, very, very good friend of mine, was one of my students. And he said to me, how is it that you can look at women and not think you know, thoughts beyond this. I said, well, think about this. When you look at a beautiful flower, do you think about having sex with that flower? And of course he said, no. I said, well, evolve yourself to the point where you look at a lady as a beautiful flower and appreciate it. But that's it. You're done. Obviously, there are beautiful people in the planet. They're beautiful. They're beautiful inside, out, outside, and in. They're beautiful. And that doesn't necessarily mean in Hollywood standards that they're the perfect model, uh, you know, and this goes for women as well. They're looking at a man and they're married to someone and they're 
drooling over an actor. This is sin. Now, there are holy, righteous, sacred women on earth who can look at a handsome, well-formed actor and he's got great acting skill and look at him and go, man, the Father God Almighty has truly blessed him. And that's it. They stop. And they don't cheat mentally on their husbands. Same thing with married men. They don't cheat on their wives or fiancés or someone they're going steady with or in modern day terms, they're in a relationship with. I hope you learned something we left off. I'm going to restart this in part two on verse nine. So this is Senior Pastor Mike Whitlock with the Nazarene Ministry. We love you and we are praying for you. Paul in this chapter is trying to speak to us about how do we get control of our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Because if we don't, then our bodies are going to drag us into hell. Okay? Please call me if you need help, counseling, prayer. You want to make a donation or an offering to our ministry. And we're old school. Either send us cash or uh, money order or a check because we don't do cash app or any of those kinds of things, PayPal, none of that. We're old school. And no donation is too small. I always look at it like this. And God gave me a revelation about this. Um, I, I don't remember how long ago, but he did give me a revelation. And I actually did a program about it. God told me that if the listeners of this program who are inspired by the lessons and the revelation of the Holy Spirit where these verses are concerned, would just send $1, $1. Now you could take $1, put it in an envelope, wrap it up in paper so the people at the postal systems don't see that it's a dollar in there. $1 and send it to us. And of course, when you call me, I will give you the address and so on. I've even made the address available on uh, Facebook. But anyway... Long story short, 3020 Yeoman, Y-E-O-M-A-N, Circle, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89128. I'll do it again. Here's our address. 3020 Yeoman, Circle, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89128. So the long and the short of it is, if everyone sent just $1 who hears this, this ministry would be solvent and moving forward. And it's just that simple. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And we trust in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And remember, let me remind you this. If you're going to a church, even though you listen to this ministry, your tithe belongs to the church you go to. That's your 10% of your income. That's the law of God. And we don't want you to break the law. 
If you're a member of this flock, your tithe belongs to us. When you offer into a ministry that inspires you, whether it's me or another ministry, you send them an offering. And I believe that's why the Father God Almighty said, if everyone would just send you $1, you would be absolutely solvent. Because many of the people that listen to this ministry, they're not flock members of my flock. So remember the law of God. Your tithe goes to the church you go to. Now you say, well, pastor, I don't have a church. You are my church. Then you're in my flock. You should be sending me 10%. And I've been asked, pastor, can, can I, because I really am not inspired by other ministries or whatever. Can I tithe an offer to you? Of course you can. Of course you can. Be led of the Holy Spirit. Pray before you send money to any ministry whatsoever and the Holy Spirit will guide you so that you're planting your seed into fertile ground so that you reap back the great harvest that you're meant to have. Amen? Be blessed until we meet again. Be safe, be protected. We love you. Stay with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Remember my lessons on the Holy Communion and how important that is. This is Senior Pastor Michael Whitlock with the Nazarene Ministry. We love you. And until we meet again, happy trails to you. Amen.